not that glass pulpit, none of that nonsense. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Shake that bush. All right, Judges chapter 2. Chuck that corn. Park it there, brother. Uh, now it's out of control. Judges chapter 2. <clears throat> Somebody uh, got a little wild up here. There we go. All right. Today, before we get into like uh, the actual judges, uh, we're going to look at why, um, why, why were there judges? And uh, we're going to look at four points this afternoon, and then we'll head home. Uh, let's start in verse number 11, Judges chapter 2, verse number 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. And as we look at this, these thoughts this, this afternoon, I want to kind of focus in on that idea there in verse number 15, where wherever they went, uh, the Lord was against them for evil, and it says there at the end of the verse, they were greatly distressed. And I wonder how often a Christian goes through life distressed because the Lord is against them. And, uh, and we're going to see why uh, and, and why there was the need for the judges, and it all fits into our lives today as well as if we are living a life that is distressed because God is against us. So let's pray, and then we'll look at these four thoughts and and be done today. Lord, thank you for letting us be here. Thank you for this time in the afternoon to uh, look at your word and uh, focus in on on now this book of Judges for the next several weeks. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to learn, uh, be reminded, uh, focus in on the fact that we don't have to live a life with you against us, uh, but Lord, we can live a life with you for us. So help us to understand that as we look at these Thoughts today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to look at number one today. Why was God so mean? Uh, you ever heard a similar question? Not necessarily even about the book of Judges, but just from people today. Why is God so mean? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does God allow these things to happen? All these sorts of things that go on. And we see in verse number 15 again where it says they were greatly distressed. And they were clearly greatly distressed because God was against them. Um, So the things that they were going through... Uh, was a result of the fact that God was no longer with them. If you look through uh, Joshua, and you can see the times where the Lord was with Joshua, or the Lord was with whoever, and all these victories, and all these wins, and all these positive things happening. And now in verse 15 of Judges 2, we come to this point where they said the Lord was against them, and they were greatly distressed. So why was God so mean? Well, verse number 14 uh, shows us God's meanness where it says the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, uh, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them and sold them into the hands of their enemies 
round about them. By the way, this is kind of a side note, but when God sells uh, here Israel into the hands of their enemies, you understand that means there's a price to be paid uh, for going against God's people. And we talked about this before with Babylon, with Egypt, with other people who've, who have taken God's people captive. Uh, there, there's a price to be paid. God doesn't just give them to you for free. Um, he sells them. And, uh, and so there would be a price to pay. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about today. But, uh, uh, but they could no longer stand before their enemies. One time, God was with them. They were uh, overcoming anyone who stood in their path. No problems. And now they couldn't stand. They couldn't, not only could they not go on the offensive, they couldn't defend what was theirs. And the enemy was overtaking them. And wherever they went, it says in verse 15 again, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, uh, meaning for a negative outcome. Uh, God's hand was against them. Uh, nothing good was coming of these things. Um, so God, God was just being so mean to the people. Well, look what it, at verse 15 as well it says, though, uh, and I've got it highlighted in my Bible, right in the middle of the verse, as the Lord had said. Um, he simply was doing what he said he was going to do. God is not being mean if he warned you it was going to happen. Uh, if God says to you, if you do this, this will be the outcome. And then you do this and you have the outcome, you can't look at God and say, why were you so mean? God gave plenty of opportunity. And we're going to see throughout Judges, by the way, that God is not mean. He gives opportunity for restoration for forgiveness, uh, uh, to, to bring back in underneath his protection, all those kinds of things. Um, and so that, that mindset here is just very simple. God, God warned them. Verse 11, jump back to verse 11. Uh, it says, The children of, the, of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Balaam. Uh, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. And we read about this in verse number uh, 7, was it? No. Yes, yeah, seven, uh, that they, they uh, all the day, oh, no, 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 verse 9, verse 10, verse 10, uh, that they uh, gathered their, uh, their fathers, they arose another generation after them, and they knew not the Lord, nor the works that he did in Israel, or for Israel. And so now in verse 11, they're serving Balaam. They forsook God in verse number 12 of their fathers that brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods, the gods of the people who were around them, and bowed themselves unto them. And provoke the Lord to anger. So it is their fault. It's not that God's being mean. It's that God is punishing them. Uh, and, and punishment done correctly is not mean. It's actually the exact opposite. It's out of love. And it's to correct and it's to get back on track. And it's to, to ultimately protect them from continuing to make these mistakes. But they forsook God. They followed the gods of the people in whom they were indwelling with, who they were supposed to destroy and they didn't. So God was saying, I told you not to do this, and yet here you are. And now this generation who knew not God, nor the works that he did for them, uh, they're serving other gods, and they're provoking God to anger, uh, which I've always said uh, that's not a good place to be when you're provoking God to anger. When you're provoking the creator of the world to anger, it's not wise. Uh, it's one thing to make your dad angry, which I never found wise either, but to make the creator of the universe angry, that typically doesn't turn out too well for you. So, the first question is, why was God so mean? The second question I have is, why was God so nice? Look in verse number 16. It says, nevertheless, what a wonderful word. 
honestly. Uh, it says in verse 15 that they were distressed. God was against them. Verse 16, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. So in spite of the anger of God that he has towards the people who turned against God, who forsook God, who worshiped idols, he would send judges to deliver them. That seems pretty nice. Verse 18, And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the, of the judge. For it repented the Lord... Uh, of their groanings by reason of them that oppress them and vex them. Just to be clear where I stand on this idea of the, repented the Lord. It's not the only time the scripture is used. It does not change God's mind. It does not put God into a, a position of regret. All right. But God changes the direction or the um, actions that he's doing towards the people when, still true today, when repentance is had. So God, who chastises those who he loves, uh, when the person whom he loves, whom he's chastising, says, God, I am wrong, please forgive me. God does not continue to chastise. God stops, and he forgives, and he restores, and then it's back in good, good standing with God. God doesn't regret uh, what, what he did uh, in uh, Noah's day. He doesn't regret it. God doesn't regret anything, <laughs> all right? Now, God tells us, and we're going to look at this next week a little bit too, but God, God tells us many times over, his desire uh, was, is, is, uh, to this point in history has not been to destroy. It's always been to build. But there are times where you've got to prune. We use this as pastors a lot with churches. Sometimes you've got to prune. You've got to get rid of some things in order to have healthy growth. Uh, and there are times where God prunes the world. And, and in this situation, he's not saying that, he, that uh, you know, he was out of control and then something finally clicked with him and he got back, back where he wanted to be. No, no, no. It's just that when people call out to God and seek forgiveness, God forgives. And he'll stop the punishment. He'll stop the hardship. Now, another key word, I think, in this passage, though, is in verse number uh, 18. It says that when he raised up them, uh, when he raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge. And it doesn't say he was with the people. I find that interesting, and as you read through judges, you know the cycle that the people go through. Uh, but it's intriguing to me that God, knowing everything, uh, is with the judge, gives the judge uh, a favor, gives the judge power, gives the judge authority, gives the judge wisdom, gives the judge all these things. And the judge does his part as God commanded him to do so. But God knowing the people's heart. Yes, he restores them because they do call out uh, with the help of the judge, which, by the way, in, in, in most cases, not every case, but in most cases, the judge is a proclaimer of God. So he's preaching. Uh, he's proclaiming a message from God. Not always, but in most cases. And, and again, when people hear, the heart is, the heart is changed. Uh, and so it is with this message, but God is with the judge. He is with the people uh, as well, but the, the showing here is that God sees a, a man, sometimes a woman, whose heart uh, is focused in on God and who God is going to use, and God gives them special um, not powers, that's the wrong word, but authority 
uh, given to them, and they go out and do God's bidding, and, uh, and, and the people are restored. Uh, but why is God so nice? Uh, he's, he's here against them. He's going to uh, punish them, all these sorts of things. But nevertheless, he gives them judges. He raises up judges. He delivers them out of the hands of those that spoil them. And when he has the judges raised up, he gives, uh, he's with the judge and he delivers them because uh, by reason of that the oppressed, uh, them that oppressed them, uh, their groanings, excuse me. Uh, so he hears his people and he responds. Uh, that's why he's so nice. Number three, why are the people, uh, here's the way I've worded it in my notes exactly. Why were the people so not smart? I'm getting better. I have other words I want to use, but I'm getting better. We have young ears here, and I want to help you in your homes. But why were the people so not smart? Verse number 17. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges. But they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. But they did not so. Uh, look in verse number where am I lost? 19. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. A couple things. It's a slightly opinion. I think it's built in uh, from what we've already read in Judges, but nonetheless. Every time the judge died, the people would be worse than their fathers. They did more idolatry than their fathers did. They did more wickedness than their fathers did. Why? Well, I think it goes back to verse number 10 where it says that they, uh, a new, new generation rose and they knew not the Lord nor the works that he had done for Israel. Nobody was teaching. And so the fathers, they would be there. They would be in idolatry. They would be in wickedness. The judge would come. They would repent. They would be restored by God. They would die off. The judge would die off. And the next generation didn't know God. And so they're, they're not only doing what their fathers did before them, now they're doing a, a step worse than what their fathers did. Because they were not being taught by their fathers to do right. The generation before them failed them. Now, granted, they're responsible for their own actions, so they failed themselves as well. But the generation before them did not help the cause at all. And so the people would never learn from their mistakes. They continue to fail and fail and fail and fail. And really, up until you get to David's time, where they had consistent leadership, we see this cycle happening. And, and I'll tell you, it's interesting because, again, we, we have to understand that not only our own children, but there's a generation that comes behind us that in most cases is going to be a step below where we are. Uh, Ron Comfort, he, he started Ambassador Baptist Bible College. He always said, uh, I don't necessarily hold these standards because I'm convicted by them, but I set myself at a higher standard because I know the people who come behind me are going to be a step lower in standard than I am. And so I want to make sure I have a high standard for them to see so that if they do come a standard below me, they're not gone, <laughs> right? They're still, they still, their standard is still high. It's just not where his was. He just comprehended, or in his mind, it was a deal where the guys who come behind me more than likely are going to be 
a little lower in standard than I am. And that's just the way history shows. History has proven over time. And, and I find that interesting. I, I don't know if it's um, right necessarily. I don't think it's wrong. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily right where everybody has to do it that way. But I appreciate someone in authority who says, I'm going to make sure that I set as high a standard as I can, uh, knowing that not everyone is going to, to be at that standard. But that way, if they're not at that standard, at least they're not falling off the edge. If my standard's on the edge, then the person who comes behind me probably is going to fall off the edge. And I don't want that to happen. Um, the people weren't smart because they weren't learning. They weren't being taught. They weren't learning from their own mistakes. They weren't learning from their previous generation's mistakes. And yet as this cycle goes, and we can see it in the Bible, but we see the cycle going, they just never caught on that the cycle didn't have to happen, that they could actually change the cycle, that they could actually stop the cycle and begin something new. Um, they, didn't, they never caught on. Uh, verse number 20 through 22 shows us the purpose uh, of the judges. Verse number 20. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, Because that this people had transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from uh, before them of the nation which Joshua left when he died, that, that th- uh, through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. The purpose of judges is to prove where these people stood. Were they going to follow God or were they going to forsake God? And every time the judges came up, that was the purpose, to prove his people. Will you follow or will you forsake? Will you follow or will you forsake? And it's interesting that uh, to this day we go through proving cycles where God has to discipline, chastise, punish um, Christians. But the purpose behind it is for correction. It's to prove, are you going to follow or are you going to reject? And that is the true purpose for the, the things that God allows into our life. The, uh, again, the discipline and the trials that God allows into our life always prove us what, what we are. Um, there are you know, people who train for ministry, and you can, if you've been to Bible college, you've seen them. And there are times where you can just tell someone is, they're kind of uh, in this fairy tale mindset. Um, where they've, for whatever reason, believe that because I'm going to be a preacher, everything's going to be awesome all the time. Everyone's going to love me. Everyone's going to listen to me. Everyone's going to follow me. Um, I get to be the, the top man, and uh, which is not at all how pastoring works. And, uh, uh, and there's times where you can sit there and look at them, especially the older I get, where you go, man, the moment they have adversity, it's going to be tough. The moment that someone questions them, the moment that someone challenges them, the moment that someone says no, it's going to be a really rough day for that guy. And it's a little different than what we're talking about here in Judges, but that idea of of when hardship comes, when trials come, whether it's God disciplining us or God just just simply testing, trying our faith, it's there for a purpose. Uh, it's there to show where you stand. It's always there to prove God, first of all, by the way. It's not mentioned in this verse, uh, but that's what, it's, that's what it's talking about here, is that 
God proves himself in those moments, but it's also going to prove where you stand, with God or forsaking God. I find it interesting, too, look in verse number 22 again, uh, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. I, I, I always look at Israel, and this is not the way, uh, again, I've already said this, I know, but I want to make sure I'm clear on this. Um, but I don't believe in the replacement theology where America goes into the place of Israel. Um, but I look at Israel and I hold it up to America, uh, especially in the Old Testament and Exodus and all the way through here. I just think there's so many similarities between our country and, and what the people are going and, and when I say our country, I mean specifically the Christians of our country. And, uh, and you see here this in verse 22, a, a nation that is going through hardship and God's saying, I'm going to see who's going to keep my way. Which tells you that some people will and some people won't. And that it's not that all of Israel was going to be obedient, but we're going to find out who is. And the same is true in our country today, isn't it? Sometimes we spend so much time looking at other Christians and, and challenging them or questioning them or judging them or however you want to put it, and the reality is, it's, is, is God has placed into your life things that go on in your life, in your situation, in your surroundings that prove whether or not you're with God. All of Christians in America, the reality is I don't think we're ever going to be united uh, until Christ returns. There's going to be differences and there's going to be arguments and there's going to be different things that go on. And... I mean, I want revival. I'd love for American Christians to come together and stand and serve and, uh, and do what is right together, hand in hand, arm in arm, uh, all that good stuff. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I can do what I'm supposed to do. I can keep the way of the Lord. And that's what we're supposed to do. We can, we can talk about the glory days, of the, the great revivals and all this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, we can't live in the past. All we have is now and, and what's next. So the things that come into our life, the challenges that we're going to face in America, um, the political challenges, the, the I'll use the word persecution uh, as lightly as I possibly can, but the persecution we're going to face, it's to prove us. We'll walk with God or keep it out. There are churches all across the world, all across the country today who have not taken a stand for truth. And there are churches all across the country who have. Well, we've seen it in different denominations and denominations that are close to us that have decided, listen, we're not going to take a stand on, um, on marriage. We're not going to take a stand on abortion. We're not going to take a stand on, as a matter of fact, we're going to invite uh, worldly theology into our church to love the world. Well, God so loved the world. He didn't do that. So the things that come in, it's to try us, it's to prove us, to see if we're going to keep the way of the God or, uh, or if we're going to go the other way. Verse 23 says, Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. So these nations are left for the purpose of trying. It's a result of disobedience. But now God has decided, I say decided, God chose to leave these nations so that it could prove Israel. Are you going to walk with me or are you going to turn your back on me? 
because there's going to be idolatry all around you. You're going to have to make a decision. And so we'll look at uh, several of these judges. We probably won't look at all of them, but we're going to look at several of them over the next couple weeks and, uh, and talk, about, talk through some of these judges, learn some lessons hopefully from them. Uh, we're going to see the consistency of the book, uh, of the cycle of, of wickedness and sin, and, uh, and then uh, the punishment, and then the, the judges and the restoration and everything that comes with it. Um, but uh, we'll look at that. But, but just think about that today. Um, you know, I can ask the question, why were the people so not smart? Well, what about you? What about me? Are we being so not smart or are we being smart? And uh, uh, when it comes to following God, God's doing what he does. God has always done what he does uh, to prove, uh, to show where we stand. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your word. Uh, thank you for the examples of scripture that we can look at, the history that we can look back on and see failures of others. Uh, Lord, may we learn from those mistakes so we don't have to make the mistakes. God, open our eyes to where we are in our country. Uh, Lord, open our eyes to where we are in our own situation. Help us to see the importance of following you, trusting you, obeying you. Uh, Lord, that we can avoid uh, the punishments that come as a result of our sin. Uh, Lord, may we just simply follow you. Be what you want us to be. Uh, so help us to learn over these next several weeks as we look into Judges. Um, and Lord, enlighten us uh, and remind us of things in your word as we do so. Keep us safe this week. Protect us. Provide for us. Give us opportunities with your word. Lord, help us to be bold to take those opportunities. Uh, Lord, be with um, those under the weather. And uh, Lord, the other requests that we've shared with each other on Wednesday. Um, so Lord, uh, help us to be faithful in praying. Uh, for you. Thank you for our missionaries, uh, Lord, and continue to, to, to work in their lives and ministries. And Lord, keep them on our minds and hearts as well, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we do have a new letter from the Overtons on the wall, so make sure you take a chance to look at that as well. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday night at 630. If you can be here, sure, want you to be here. And then uh, Saturday is the cleaning day, and then the following Saturday's men's prayer breakfast. If you need anything, please let us know. Uh, sure love and appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, another good crowd.